Greetings. Welcome to Haber Bros, a podcast for historic, cross-centered Christians. We seek to provide ancient answers to a culture that's forgotten the questions. Thank you for listening this week. If you like what you're hearing or enjoy the show, please share it with a friend. This is the biggest way that podcasts grow. If you haven't yet given us a five-star rating and a positive review, please pause this recording and do that now. I am Kirk Haberman, and I'm a church musician, and this is my brother, Chris, an Anglican priest. Chris, how are you? Eh, I'm okay. I'm oh. just kidding, Kirk. Oh. Kirk. Kirk, I'm great. When the world zigs, you zag. <laughs> Kirk, um, how was your Thanksgiving? Um, it was so good that I don't remember being this uncomfortable in years. Not today. We're recording on Friday, Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. I mean, on like, Thanksgiving. As far as like loosening your belt and, or what do you mean? I mean, in terms of sheer volume of consumption. And it wasn't even like, I, I kept saying things like, slow down, enjoy it. I, I said all the right things. I had the correct mental approach. And it just didn't matter because the, uh, the cornucopia of delights was, was just too, too much. I've made a pivot. In the last couple of years, um, I away entirely from mashed potatoes to you know the sweet potatoes with the caramelized marshmallows on top. Mm, You're making a, a bad, face. That's a bad move. You're making a face. Oh man! And those just—it's candy. It's candy. And the problem is there's no limiting principle because I keep telling myself like, I there, there's so much healthy. There's there 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 nutrients in sweet potatoes like vitamin C and potassium and it's healthy antioxidants. And then in reality, I've just had like half a bag of marshmallows, like yeah. and brown and a sugar, bunch of brown sugar. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The yeah brown I, sugar I would tea. say there is a time and a place for sweet potatoes. Oh, and the time is never. And the place is the trash. Because oh, they are trash food. Oh, spice, spicy take again. Mm, yes. This is today. You, you will zig when the world zags. That's right. I feel That's like right. this is the sweet potatoes are having a moment this century, like just kind of health wise and recipe wise. Hey, we've got nutrients. Yeah. But yeah, but, but like nobody wants like lollipop potatoes, like either give me, give me a starch <laughs> or give me a sweet, like the, the, they sweet potatoes have an identity it, crisis. They don't can't know decide what are. it is. Yeah. <laughs> We have nutrients, but we're also we sweeter than that's ah, terrible. Not, not only that, Christopher, uh, we we will we will happily agree to disagree on that one. But my mother-in-law, who is uh, who's who's an impressive cook, made for reasons that only made sense in her head for a party of under I think we had nine, smallest family family Thanksgiving gathering in in years. She made two turkeys. 
<laughs> Why? Well, she she traditionally roasted the because one. Because she could. And then okay. she smoked the other because Ooh. she wanted smoked turkey for people who wanted smoked turkey. You know, because, you know, some people like that. And I do. I do like that. So in any case, we had two turkeys and it was just it was it was ridiculous. It was a banquet, a banquet. You? Yeah. Well, I'll just share this. Um, this morning, I read an article uh, <laughs> about the day that John Madden was introduced to the turducken and it oh. made me want a turducken. So you're going to do it. Many people may know that a turducken is a duck inside of a chicken stuffed inside of a turkey. But it's not just that, Kirk. Um, it's also like rubbed with a sausage and cornbread stuffing. Oh. Um, or, yeah, it would be stuffing in this case. Um, and that's part of what makes it just smell amazing. And so on ESPN.com, they had this kind of a lengthy story about this guy who had been making them for years. And uh, somehow he got like John Madden heard about it. And so he made one to bring to Madden in new Orleans in 1996, uh, Thanksgiving 96. Uh, and they didn't initially like security wouldn't even let him in. He realized he didn't have credentials and then he realized when he actually brought it into the booth that um, he had forgotten napkins or uh, forks or utensils or anything. And so Madden like, was just like, this smells so good. And he just like jams his hand in and like pulls a handful out and just like gnaws it out of his, out of his hand. And he's just like, Oh my gosh, this is delicious. It's like, it's like duck juices streaming down his chin. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and uh, at that moment, uh, the saints owner walks in after he's done with the handful. Um, and does he Madden use his ties? Madden has seconds to decide, do I decline the handshake and explain, or is that too weird? Um, and he, he licks off his fingers, one, two, three, and extends his hand and shakes his hand. And, it's, and they said that um, uh, the owner, Tom Benson, I believe is his name, never spoke to Madden again after that. Like, I guess he was insulted by, you know, by, uh, by the turducken hand um, that was extended. To yeah, him. The, the old lick and shake is... Uh, is- <laughs> It's fallen out of fashion, oddly. Strange. It's it's a strange world we live in, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, Kirk. I, and so I read about like so they debone each as they and and so like these flavors meld together along with the sausage that just <laughs> that fat slow cooking inside oh. of there. I mean, it's it's a um, it's, it's it's a wonder. And so Madden just went nuts about it on TV. <laughs> and like this guy went from selling like 300 a year to selling thousands a year. And, and he wasn't a good enough businessman to scale it up. Like had he been like, right. I mean, this could have been a nationwide franchise, but you can, you can order one frozen from him. If you so choose, I think it's like $200 though. Um, but when you think about like the labor they put in, into doing all that stuff, it's, it's, it's not so ridiculous. Yeah. And, and, uh, in terms of like great memories in life, like the time I had a turducken, I don't know, that's <laughs> worth $200, isn't it? Yes. So, I, so, so I, that has long been a, by long, like, like the past decade or so been, been a favorite, um, kind of on social media, like uh, this mythical creature, but, but, but it exists and people do it, but, but the truly mythical creature, and does this actually exist? I've been hearing about it, the tur turducken. So it's all of that inside a second turkey 
because America or something. Because why not? <laughs> right. Have you ever seen the talk? Uh, I'm sorry, the SNL commercial for like the Taco Bell, like, you know, Taco Bell went nuts with like, we took a taco and wrapped it in a burrito. Right. And, yeah, yeah, it. yeah. and it's like that, like times a thousand and wrap, put a pizza around it. And then, <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's a, a great commercial. And what it reminds me of, and something that we should, um, let me write that down somewhere. See, they made the mistake of that. throwing down the gauntlet somewhere. Someone has to have made that. <laughs> and I want to see that. I want to eat, but I want to eat that. I didn't want to eat much of anything this morning, but I'm, I'm rebounding. My kids, youth is, youth is amazing. My kids woke up like, they're like, we're Ravenous. famished. <laughs> like Daphne had four waffles. I made homemade waffles. Like they were just like, shoving it to their face. Kirk. It was great. Kirk, I have um, troubling news. Oh. That uh, when you said waffles, it reminded me of it. Did you see that Canada has had to tap into their strategic reserve of maple syrup? Oh, no. I, I don't really? know what's going on with, with maple syrup production, but they have like 50 million gallons um, in strategic reserve, which, boy, if can you imagine what would happen in Canada if, if people did not have access to maple syrup? I mean, I don't know what a Canadian riot would look like. It'd be very polite. Um, they'd probably go out in the streets and like fix up um, and like, paint buildings that need painting but uh, i mean it would be <laughs> it would be pretty freaky would pe people be fainting with fear and foreboding would there be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars be distress in nations or not that bad Kirk, let's turn to our gospel reading. Let's do which so. Which this week comes from Luke chapter 21, verses 25 through 33. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on the earth distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. He told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also when you see these things take place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Kirk, this is uh, the first Sunday of Advent. 
Happy New Year. Yes. Yes. I'm so excited. Happy Christian New Year. And so with the new year, we move on to uh, year C of the lectionary cycle. Uh, Year A is largely Matthew year. B is largely Mark year. And C is largely Luke year. And so two weeks ago, we uh, got a reading from Mark's Little Apocalypse. As we, we mentioned that like as the year ends, the last two weeks turn to last things, to the last day. Um, and so here, just two weeks later, after that, we had that text from Mark, we jumped to Luke's little apocalypse, um, synoptic apocalypse. So this is a very, if this sounds familiar, that's why two weeks ago, we read Mark's uh, account of, of this, um, discourse. And now it cut off our, our reading cut off in Mark 13, right before the lesson of the fig tree, right? right. So mm-hmm. we didn't get like true overlap, but thematically it's in the same vein. Well, and, and we got um, the son of man coming in cloud, yes. coming with the clouds. Yes. Um, this says with power and great glory, you know, Mark said great power and great glory. <laughs> um, and uh, really Kirk, there isn't a lot different that I have to say about this than about the Mark and passage. Uh, we can, lose sight of the forest for the trees that that while jesus does not emphasize um reading the signs so that we would know when he would return because he tells us very clearly that nobody knows Um, and we're given the instruction simply to be prepared that's the instruction that we're we're given is is to be ready um when, when he returns not to try to discern the day not to try to map it which so many cults have done um but he does give certain signs for certain things things that are not the end of the world but will seem like the end of the world we know when the end of the world is kirk because we will see jesus coming with the clouds with great power and great glory right right that's the sign that's the sign so these other signs like the fig tree indicating you know getting leaves that um summer is near um this is the indication of the fall of the temple, that um, the thing that is not the end of the world is, is an indication of, of something that God is doing. Um, Jesus already cleansed the temple, um, but he had predicted that each throne would be um, cast away, that, that um, they would not be standing on top. One stone would not be standing on top of another. And uh, so the thing that I want to emphasize today is, is simply to not attempt to discern the day, but um, to be prepared, to be sober, to be vigilant. Um, and some, I mean, I should have looked this up ahead of time, but um, I want to say the revised common lectionary goes further than this. Does it go to verse 35, maybe, where um, it's just a little bit extensive uh, and emphasizes the, the need for preparation? It goes to 36 is what it does, um, and the, which completes the thought. I don't know why ours, our reading cuts off here. Um, But it continues in in verses 34 through 36. It continues like this. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life. And that day catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. I think there's a really important context for the whole passage is that, uh, yeah, these things are going to happen and it's not our job to discern the day, but to be prepared. 
to be on guard so it doesn't come unexpectedly, be alert, praying that we have this strength. And so, Kirk, that is a big theme of this season is preparedness, um, yes. preparing our hearts. And so uh, I want to say year A, I could be totally wrong. I shouldn't be saying this. Um, hmm. I want to say year A, though, uh, the, the reading for the first Sunday is um, the, the parable of the wise virgins and the foolish virgins. Um, and the whole idea of that lesson is being prepared, that like the foolish virgins were not prepared. They did, did not have their oil ready. Um, that we ought to be on guard. Uh, I mean, another Advent, early Advent hymn is uh, Watchmen Tell Us of the Night. You know, yes. what's, what is the sign? Like, keep, like be alert, be vigilant. Um, and that's the theme of the season. We um, have an entire season dedicated for being on guard, being alert, being prepared, preparing our hearts for Christ's second coming. And we'll get to that a little bit in our theology segment, but um, you were close. Okay. You were close. It's uh, it's Matthew's coming of the fig tree. Lesson of the fig tree. Oh, boo. <laughs> okay. My bad. So it was, it um, was a good guess though. Okay. But um, it, it, it still is, um, you know, the, the, you know, the Bach Ortoio that I love yes. um, is based on that text. Uh, the Bach Oratorio, um, which has this, the, the hymn tune that we sing, um, uh, Vakit Auf. Uh, Kirk, what is that? What is the name of, what is the English <laughs> hymn that, that's slipping Sleeper, my mind? Sleeper's Wake. Sleeper's Wake. A voice yep. of Sleeper's Wake. Wake up. Yep. Yeah. Uh, wake up, be prepared. And, and so, um, we begin the season. Uh, we talked about the great litany before, right, Kirk? Yes, we, we did. We, we begin with that. We give the exhortation. There's a lot of sort of self-reflection of holding up a mirror because the way, Kirk, that we, you and I, be prepared, be ready, um, is to not be too caught up in the joys of this world. Um, we are to enjoy just physical creation, but not, not so much that um, it keeps our eyes off the horizon saying, um, not only is it today, Lord, but uh, saying, come Lord Jesus, come, come quickly. Kirk, last week or the week before we talked about, you you brought up the illustration of Aslan um, not being safe, but being good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, and I'm, I'm trying to remember which book, this was a later book um, where Susan, I believe, uh, as she grows up, she gets kind of caught up in the things of the world, like yeah, um, boys and makeup and and this and that. Um, she and she forget and she forgets about Nar Narnia. And when they bring it up to her, she's like, "Oh, that! Oh, that, we had such clever imaginations back then." Mm -hmm. um, and that makes me think of the parable of the sower, um, where some of the seeds, some of the people get caught up in the cares of the world. And, uh, you know, these seed, you know, don't take root and grow. Right. Yeah. Because they're, they get caught up in the cares of the world where we are to live in the world, but not of the world. We are kind of resident aliens um, who, it, you know, enjoying. Uh, I never read much about, I never, never read much John Piper Kirk, but he talked about Christian hedonism, which I, I'm sure was kind of a, um, a way of saying that, like, we are not to like necessarily be super into asceticism like we don't need to deny ourselves all the time like there, there can be a spiritual good in that um 
but let's not get caught up in the cares of the world, in the loves of the world. Let's not be become people who are, um, you know, Paul talks in Philippians about the, you know, people who are caught up in this where their God is their bellies. Um, uh, so enjoy good food, enjoy good drink, enjoy experiences. Um, but always, um, have a daily dying to sin. And part of our daily office, Kirk, is, is confession and absolution, knowing that, um, that Christ will come again. And, and that's part of preparedness is to examine ourselves, to see the sin we have and to die daily to it. And, um, and so I encourage each of you, especially this season, think about Christ's second coming and what, what are you doing in your life? What can you do to prepare your hearts um, for this fearsome coming that yes. Jesus, when he comes in glory, um, that we do not want to be caught unaware that we do not want to be caught with our hand in the proverbial cookie jar. Um, not, no, not in a moralistic way, but like that, that um, let us make sure that we are keeping our eyes on the ball, that we are not, um, too distracted by by earthly things so let us think on heavenly things let us let us um daily examine ourselves confess that sin um and and look with with uh, joy and excitement um for christ's second coming kirk you and i had a a former pastor who was very influential uh for us and this was his favorite season yes and like his yep. his excitement for uh you know christ's second coming um, where all wrongs will be righted. Um, definitely impressed upon me, just like the, the joy and expectation of the season. Um, but, I'll, we, but Kirk, we can only stand, we can only be excited about his second coming, knowing that we will be counted righteous because of Christ's work on our behalf. And, and that's where the, the be prepared, confess your sin um, comes in. Yeah. Yeah, I, Christopher, all that is great. And, and, I really don't think I have anything that I can add to that. Um, the the other lessons uh, for Sunday are great. I'm yeah, uh, yeah. I'm uh, Zechariah, the Old Testament lesson, man. That the churches that are going to be reading that are un unless they've pre-read it are going to be shocked. Have you looked ahead at that? Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a there's a bit of a bit of a zinger in verse two of that. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so Kirk, verses one and two are are optional. And um, oh, I, okay. I, uh, I mean, that's a hard call to make. And I had yeah. to make it early in the week because we had to get our bulletin out to the right. printers on Monday. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I opted out because I didn't want to talk about that. Right. You know, like it's important to mention um, if you want to kind of call attention to it, but I just wanted to go a different direction, but. Right. Yep. And I didn't want to call attention to it now. I don't know why I brought yeah. it up. Um, yeah. I think we should move on to as you mentioned, one of our favorite theology segments mm. in the entire year.
Today, we are discussing the season of Advent. So, Kirk, we're going to kick this off with a question. Kirk? Okay. What is Advent? Oh, I am so glad you asked, Christopher. Advent comes from the Latin word adventus, um, which just means uh, a, a arrival. Or, or, Ooh, or the, that's a good movie. Yes, it is a good movie. Um, they should have called it Adventus. All right. <laughs> um, and what, what arrival? What are we talking about? Um, Advent is, is in so many places and in so many ways collapsed into Christianity. And uh, sometimes I jokingly call myself the Advent police, or I've been called the <laughs> Advent police. And I, and I, and I, I wear that, that happily. I, hopefully, I'm, I never am an Advent police with a scowl. I'm a happy warrior in that in that matter, but uh, Advent is it has has its own themes and its own integrity and it's its own thing. It's not pre-Christmas, right? And here's what we mean by arrival, Christopher. Um, the church has sometimes talked about four last things or the threefold arrival in Advent, and the threefold arrival that we talk about are first Jesus' arrival. Um, in Judea, in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, our Lord, right? Um, and then the second is the, his coming in our hearts. It's a new season um, for the church year. Uh, our, our, our year begins the first Sunday of Advent. It does not begin uh, January 1st. That has zero liturgical significance, and it should have zero theological significance for the Christian. In some ways, uh, New Year's Day is the anti-gospel. <laughs> but... Um, but so we look also for the coming of Jesus in our hearts. We pray that he come again in our hearts and inform our lives and shape our lives that we may, might be more like him. And then we look for his coming again. This is sometimes called the apocalypse. Or so we say that Advent has an apocalyptic tone or an anticipatory tone in that um, as Christians, we are odd in so many ways, Christopher, but we look forward to the end of all things because mm -hmm. we know the ending and we know that it is happy for us, um, that we have a king who will wipe away every tear um, and who will make all things new. He has promised to do so. Uh, in Christian eschatology, that's another fancy word for kind of the, the, uh, the study of last things. Um, in Christian eschatology, we talk about four last things. These are sometimes a, a theme of Advent, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. So Advent is also a time to talk about grand cosmic theological concepts. And we will see those, won't we, in these readings, these lessons in these next four Sundays. Um, it's a time when, when we're honest, right? We're honest about the trajectory of the world and the trajectory of our souls. Um, we will have to deal with death. We will have to deal with judgment. <laughs> um, we will, through the blood of the lamb, um, be, be, be assured of heaven. Um, but hell is a reality as well um, for the souls that have rejected Christ's call to new life in him. Um, and so sermons often preached on Advent um, if, if, if clergy resist the siren call to, to preach pre-Christmas sermons, sermons will often be preached on these four last things as well, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. So you have the threefold coming, coming once in Bethlehem, coming in our hearts, and coming again in the clouds in the last day, and then those four last things. Um, those are kind of some of the themes of Advent. Um, I mentioned as well, Christopher, that Advent is preparatory or anticipatory, right? 
Um, so we wait for the second coming. We sing songs like, Lo, he comes with clouds descending and herald sound the trumpet. Uh, okay, that, I, that, that's, um, that one's slipping away from me. We sing a bunch of songs. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. We sing a bunch of songs, um, praying, begging, exhorting Christ to come again. And, um, and we, we read Old Testament lessons as well, Christopher, of Israel's, the Israelites, the, the, the prophets yearning for a Messiah to fulfill God's promises um, in Genesis um, that, uh, that, that he will restore what was ripped apart in the garden. And, and we see strong parallels as well for us in Revelation um, that just as, just as God fulfilled his promises. He did not leave Israel. He did come. He did send a Messiah. Um, so too, he will send the Messiah again, once and for all. Um, so that is my little, my little sermonette on what is Advent. And I know we want to talk about um, how, a, how a Christian can observe Advent. But Christopher, do you want to add on to that or, or amend or... or um, or correct anything that I said. Uh, I'll just uh, add on a little bit, and and we'll get a flavor of this each week as we walk through the season together. But uh, the first Sunday of Advent usually uh, is about Christ's second coming, His coming with the clouds, um, that sets the tone for this whole season. That it is more eschatological than it is, you know, preparatory. For we are we are pulling out the uh, the big theology words, right? Uh, apocalyptic eschatology go ahead i'm sorry yeah yeah um i'm sorry i'm just reading this ex excellent role. no i'm reading this excellent uh i've got this excellent summary of each week uh in front of me that i just discovered uh that a colleague of mine put together and it's it's amazing um, so i just read a, a brief quote from it um okay on this sunday up uh, to stand before the son of man is to be transformed into new life, a reverse entropy. So our lives are constantly in flux one way or another, and the surest way to lose is to remain sedentary, concerned only with settling the present cares of our life. Jesus, on the other hand, challenges us to be on the alert for his coming, being sure that we aren't led astray from the security of God in the transience of a dying world. And, and that, that term, reverse entropy, just really caught me, you know, like... Mm -hmm. Wow, like this, this um, we see a world that is slowly falling, falling apart. Um, and uh, the fact that there is any progress at all kind of defies entropy. But, but uh, apart from God's renewing work um, in Christ's return, uh, the world would just fall apart. You know, the, the universe is fundamentally unstable for life um, in the long term. Um, but Christ will come again and will reverse all those broken things and will remake the world. Uh, okay. Second and third Sunday, um, turn to, um, to John the Baptist. Um, and again, this is, this is uh, these three comings, um, but they are, they're kind of John Sundays. And then the fourth Sunday uh, is, is kind of the Mary Sunday. Um, and uh, I mean, I just, I'm excited for the season and for, for these wonderful discussions. Kirk, you and I have talked about Mary and Elizabeth uh, quite a bit. And so I'm excited in yeah. fourth Sunday of Advent to come to that, but that's yeah. kind of the general. Yeah. So you talked about the themes of uh, the, the kind of fallen out of favor, you know, uh, of sin, death, hell, and, and heaven. Um, it wasn't sin, death. It was 
but was it sin, death, hell, and heaven? Um, it's death, judgment, judgment. Yeah, heaven and hell. Which have judgment? Oh man, hell. Those things have fallen out of fashion. <laughs> That's right. Um, That's right. And so I've even heard people talk about peace, love, joy. Oh um, gosh. Uh, in, in, like this is the like the <sighs> the candles of the um the Advent wreath uh, representing love, joy, peace. I don't, I don't think the other one's patience, but yeah. um, that, that's a newer conception yeah, where, right. you know, we're kind of uncomfortable with the idea of judgment and hell, but yeah, I like to say as Christians, be. as Christians, we're honest. Yeah. We don't need to tell bedtime stories yeah. um, because the truth is on our side. So when we talk about death, judgment, heaven, and hell, um, we don't need to shy away or be afraid of that. Indeed. Because we know the one whose hand guides those, those four last things. Um, the since since we're not shying away from from meaty theological words like apocalypse and eschatology, Kirk, use um, any word you want as long as you define it. Yes. So the fourth Sunday in Advent, in in the new way that we observe it, um, is often Annunciation Sunday, mm. right? And that's where we mark the angel Gabriel appearing to Mary, and uh, the Annunciation is the theological concept. The it would just means that doesn't just mean announcement. Uh, yeah. Right where where kind of this this revelation to mary um but in luke in these these passages in luke like last year christopher we read of the lovely interplay between mary and elizabeth um and i think this year we get the second half we get later on in chapter one we get the magnificat and uh and as well i think maybe the birth of john the baptist i'd need to take a closer look no it falls just shy of that yeah i love these Um, like live discoveries as we're like oh i I think it's this Oh, never mind. It's not. No, 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 no. I have, good, I have the, the 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 prayer book in front of me. I'm looking at the whole lectionary, man, for for Advent. I'm seeing the 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 grand three year sprawl of this thing. So I'm just trying to remember what what's in what chapter. And, and sometimes I'm right, but but I'm not always right. So I got to check. So if you're hearing like like my Bible crinkling in the background, that's what that's all about. So these principal characters, you're right, Christopher. We've gone from it does have these grand cosmic themes. We also have these reliable characters as well that we spend uh, weeks with: um, John the Baptist, uh, sometimes Elizabeth and Zechariah, depending on the year, but certainly John the Baptist and Mary. Um, and so it's important, I think, in that regard as well, to not let it just be pre-Christmas. You know, not to, to just put the crush mm-hmm. up and and um, and just kind of start singing our, our, our Christmas stuff because. Um, Mary has her own story in these first two chapters in Luke, and so does so does John the Baptist, and they have their own own not not just story but themes, and and there's a biblical narrative that's there, and it 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 fits with these themes as well, these apocalyptic themes of anticipation and coming. So, um, do do you have anything more you want to say about that, or can we can we talk a little bit about an observed Advent, an Advent observed? Yeah. How, how does how does one observe advent uh is it by singing christmas carols i'm so glad you asked (laughs) no little baby jesus will not be disappointed in you if you sing christmas carols um in early december but i might i'm kidding or am i no no here's how here's um here are some helpful ways in which you can observe advent without it lapsing into a pre-christmas number one advent calendars and they're everywhere and perhaps you're, hopefully you're at a church that, that, um, that will distribute these. Um, a lot of these Advent calendars will have kind of verses that walk you through um, 
early on in Advent, prophecies, they're great prophetic texts from Isaiah that I think are commonly used in Advent calendars. And then kind of in the second half of Advent, they'll begin to walk through kind of um, these early, early passages in Luke over there being a census and Mary being with child and Joseph going with Mary. And so it's all kind of pre-birth stuff and it builds anticipation. And especially if you have kids, it's got a little chocolate. And so that kind of, <laughs> it tricks you into kind of having a devotional moment. So an Advent calendar is a good way with kind of that, 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 that daily chocolate every evening of kind of setting the family. Okay, we're all gathering together and we have this moment together. And once you're together, of course, then Christopher, these Advent collects are just amazing, mm -hmm. aren't they? Um, and so you can pray these, these Advent collects for the four Sundays in Advent. We're going to end our discussion here with um, this majestic first collect for the first Sunday in Advent, which actually you can continue to pray throughout Advent. There's also an Advent wreath um, that you can use. Christopher, I have to say that I've been laying down on the job the last couple of years with the Advent wreath. Um, so I should follow my own advice and pull it back out and get it started again. And of course, these are the four candles. And this is the other thing we didn't say that I was going to say, and then I forgot. So I'm glad I, I'm glad I circled back around to it, Christopher. Um, the pink candle, it's obviously for the fourth week of Advent, right? Right? You're, you're not going to respond. Okay. No, it's for the third Sunday. Yeah. Um, third Sunday is uh, Gaudete Sunday. It's Rejoice Sunday. So the third Sunday has a, um, has a more exultant um, theme. But um, we've got these four candles. And you can... Um, it, it's a way of building anticipation. So you can open the Advent calendar, have the chocolate, read the verse. You light the, uh, light the Advent wreath. And as the wreath grows, you get closer to Christmas and it builds anticipation. Also, I recommend, and maybe I recommended this last year, um, you can memorize O Come, O Come, Emmanuel in a month if every day, every three days, you add another verse, right? 24 days of Advent, eight verses of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. So every three days, you add a new verse. Um, so I, I highly recommend that. Um, that's, an, that's another thing. And, uh, and I... Maybe I won't bring up the O antiphons. I talked a lot about that last year. And then lastly, Advent music. Oh, Christopher, there actually is so much good Advent music and it's worth singing together and it's worth listening to. Um, I'll try to use a lot of it over the next several weeks here. Um, there's my favorite, uh, Lo, He Comes with Clouds Descending. But there's Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Let all mortal flesh keep silence. O come, O come, Emmanuel, Savior of the nations come, of the Father's love forgotten. And I'm, I'm going to stop droning on and on. But um, there's Advent music as well. And we can even, I can even share links to some of that stuff. I've been monologuing again. What would you like to add to that? Add to your comprehensive <laughs> list of things that you can do in Advent. Uh, no, I, I don't have much to add, Kirk. It's, it's a great season of anticipation and anything that you can do in your family, in your routines, um, whether you are lighting a candle at, you know, whether you have an Advent wreath at, um, at your table uh, for dinner and, and you do it just as a simple, brief liturgy of maybe a collect or 
um, a, a reading uh, from early in the gospel of the gospels of anticipation of Christ's birth um, or Christ's second coming. Those are all great activities, but I, I and of course, December is going to have Christmas parties mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and things that, that, you know, we're a, we're a culture that uh, doesn't like to wait. And I mean, some of that's just realistic that like once Christmas day comes, many people, um, their, their minds move on, even though we have 12 days of celebrating Christmas. Um, it's weird, That's... Christopher, how, how Christians have been affected by that. I've heard several older parishioners talk about how they would put up the tree Christmas Eve. Yeah. yeah. I mean, can you imagine any American? They, yeah. I mean, well, you, you have trees thrown out a day or two after Christmas now. Yeah. But Christians yeah. used to put it up Christmas Eve. So then yeah. they'd have it up through the 12 days. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, some of it, some of the, the Christmas parties and, and kind of some of it is that there is, we live in a an instant gratification kind of culture. Like, well, if I know people who put up their Christmas trees in October, cause like they just <laughs> love Christmas. It's like, okay, yeah, but it, things have their own season. And this uh, anticipation is good. Um, the longing, the, the hope, mm -hmm. um, the expectation. And we've, we've defined the word expectation before in, in the, in the idea that, uh, words i'm sorry hope and expectation uh, that words change in in meaning over time and the word hope classically meant um expectation that that our hope mm. um is is a sure expectation that christ will return on the last day and we, we have just a season of of that longing and expectation and hope of 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 what is um what will happen on that last day and so so anything we could do to to put off the full celebration of Christmas, even as we have holiday parties and holiday get togethers early in December, because I know that it's, it's just hard to plug those in after Christmas, but um, participate as, as you, as you must, but um, try to build routines in, in your family's rhythms where uh, it's, it's more longing and anticipation than full celebration. Um, and then just like uh, we have, you know, Lent before Easter that like, you don't celebrate Easter mid Lent, you know, like you, <laughs> you, you prepare and then you feast. And so, amen. Let's do that here too. Yes. I agree with all of that. It's great. And I would say this, pray, mm. pray, pray, pray. Um, if you are um, cold or lonely or on your, on a, on your commute, or, or whatever, look to the skies, these, these gray, bleak skies that are coming in December and pray, is it today, Lord? Mm. Come quickly. Come quickly. Kirk, shall we pray? I th Speaking of prayer, yes, let's. Let's. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us pray. Almighty God, Give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now in the time of this mortal life in which your son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal. Through him who reigns, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech you, O Lord, and by your great mercy, defend us from all perils and dangers of this night.
For the love of your only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Next week, Kirk. Next week.